Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Gonna deviate from what I've got on the rundown here, fellas, because Danny Danny tweeted something at me before the show started where I assume that Danny wanted to talk about it a lot. It was on my mind a little bit, a little bit on my radar. The match is this weekend, you know, the match, the Capital One match. You get two teams, a tandem tear off, you know, square off on the golf course. And this year it's going to be Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes versus the Splash Brothers, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. And, you know, it's going to take place here in Vegas. You know, I'm sure it's going to have a couple of eyeballs, a couple of spectators. People want to see this. I mean, two highly successful duos. But I, Travis Kelsey was on a conference call, and he made mention that, oh, man, he's never lost in Vegas. And then Danny, Danny tweets at me, hey, are we going to have this sound? And no, I wasn't on this conference call, but it seems like this is going to be his line. Because this past weekend, he was out at another golf event, another charity golf event, and Steve Weiss from the NFL Network talked to him, and he asked him, you know, what's that preparation like ahead of the match? The message right now is, you know what I mean, I, we've never lost in Vegas. You know, they're, they're both uh, on the golf course, we, we won our, uh, as a team, we beat uh, everybody at Justin Timberlake's golf tournament, and then obviously the Raiders. You know, shots fired. Shots haven't, fired. haven't lost to the Raiders yet. It, well, I don't even want to say yet. We just never lost in Vegas, so and that's the bottom line. And that's the bottom line because Travis Kelsey said so, but he said yet. Got to keep that yet in there, 2023 season. Watch out. Danny, why did you want – Danny, what's up? Why would you want to hear that so bad? I don't know. I just <laughs> – Why are you trying to stir the pot? Oh, I'm not trying to stir the pot. I just thought it was an interesting quote from one Travis Kelsey, a.k.a. Raiders arch nemesis. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, who's also said, you know, he earned a couple of points for me on this one. He said, podcasting is the hardest job he's had. Buddy tell, yeah. You know what? Playing in the NFL, we could all do it. Podcasting, woo! New heights. I'm sure, you know, killing in the, in, the, in the numbers game there. But yeah, what we do here, take that NFL players. Travis Kelsey, one of your own, a member of your own fraternity said, hey, this right here, it's even harder. How true is that? I don't know. I've never been in the NFL. But I have had a podcast. Well, I mean, it's also a completely different set of skills. Nope. <laughs> there's no podcast coaches. Like, there's no guy that goes, okay, I want you to go run in this direction and then turn quickly. It's, okay, you know, there's no guy sitting there going, all right, Danny, I want you to come real hard on this topic. And then I want you to pivot and bring them on in. I wish I had a coach. Oh, man. Someone drawing up the plays for me? Just stay right here? You're, like the ball's coming right to you? Oh, man, that would be so much easier. We were going to talk about NIL, you know, here in this bit. But no, let's go podcasting instead. <laughs> I mean, in in theory, that's actually what a executive producer do, is supposed to do. But that's also you, – you have to be willing as the person talking on the air to listen to what the executive producer is telling you, which is always a problem. Yeah, a little bit of a problem. We're going to get to some NIL, but if you want to be a part of the show, you can text us at 69187, keyword R&R, or you can call us at 702-365-9200 and tell us, do you think Max Crosby is a top three pass rusher in the league, and who's a player 
you think would have fitted in so well with the Raiders, who's a player that you always want to see wear the silver and black. But now, guys, I sent it over. I put it in the rundown. NIL, they said they were going to make a couple of changes. The NCAA, they, hey, man, they're putting their foot down. They are tired of, you know, the misconduct, the mischievousness, if there is any, in NIL. And let me tell you what they did. Absolutely nothing. They basically, you know, last week where the big thing was the NFL, hey, they, they, you know, they reaffirmed some of the gambling rules to teams where they're going to tell teams, hey, don't bet at a team facility. Don't even bet when you're at the road. If, you're, if it's something that's team-related, don't do any betting there. Where it's just, oh, so you're just repeating what we already know. Yeah, but we're letting you know that we're repeating things that you should already know. And that's what the NCAA did today. And what does that do for anybody? Nothing. But, you know, they put out a memo. You can uh, go to Nicole Auerbach's Twitter, at Nicole Auerbach, if you want to see exactly the official memo that the NCAA put out there. Because I am looking at it, and they're saying, hey, boosters aren't allowed to give the NIL deals out. Who, what? NIL is basically just, hey, boosters, give our players money from with whichever companies that you actually support. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. The NCAA don't know why they're still around, but they're letting people know that there still could be some consequences. Where you've got guys today where the new quarterback for Ohio State, he's posting the deal that he has with Mark Wahlberg's Chevrolet dealership, and he got a Mercedes. What so, a car. What a car. Wait, he he's got a, he went to the Chevy dealership to get a Mercedes? Yeah, it's used. Well, I, oh, okay, I, okay. That's, that, that's not I, I have no idea if it's used or okay. not. <laughs> okay, but I'm, I'm also just sitting there going like, you're advertising Chevy, you're wearing the wrong logo. Yes, and this is Kyle McCord. He's supposed to be the Ohio State starting quarterback this season, going to be taking over for C.J. Stroud. And then you think about Ohio State, the hypocrisy of the NCAA for finally allowing NIL, where Terrell Pryor got suspended in the NFL for getting those tattoos. Where the NFL even cracked down and said, hey, man, you've gone too far. You've dishonored the game by leveraging your fame and celebrity status as an Ohio State Buckeye to get a couple of tattoos for free. We've got to punish you at the next level. And now you see the new Ohio State starting quarterback, Cal McCord. He's driving around on Mercedes from Mark Wahlberg's dealership. That's what we all expected when NIL, you know, when they decided, we're going. the NCAA said, hey, we don't want to pay players. So, yeah, how about this? I mean, how about this is a make good? That's, Mark Wahlberg giving college kids money. That's, no, why there, that's why there should be a cap on how much they make. Ooh, a cap. Why is that? that that's not capitalistic at all. I just think – I personally think there should be a cap because you have 18, 19, 20-year-olds running around with million-dollar contracts, million-dollar NIL deals that are – shaping the way that college uh, college sports are going because certain players won't go to certain schools because school A offers them a million, school B can only offer them 200000 Why would they go to school B? Well, I mean, why would you take a job if job A is offering you 200000 and job B is offering you $1 million? I mean, that's just capitalism, baby. But that's a job. These aren't. These, These are employees. Are yes, they are employees. They're employees that are being exploided for free labor. Do they, you think if like if you said, hey, coach, 
I really want to go to practice at this time, but there's this sweet econ class that I've just got to be in. This professor's legit. He's going to be able to mispractice for that econ class? But they're not employees. But can he miss that practice and say, yeah, coach, this biology class, whatever the class is, do you think that's happening at a major D1 program? Probably not. So that sounds like a job to me, right? Or we can all skirt around the issue and say it's not a job, but a cap. Are there some flaws in this? Yes. But I don't think a cap helps out anybody, not even the schools. I mean, I think there's some merit to be to be discussed with, like, capping certain things. Like, uh, I think Elon Musk should only be able to make <laughs> this amount of money. But, you know, whenever it's just some 19-year-old who's like, hey, I'm about to generate mil- hundreds of millions of dollars for the school – Meanwhile, I'm going to get a meal plan and a degree in physiology. Maybe you can bump me up a little bit. I don't like I don't see the problem with it at all. The bigger thing to me is I love that there are still coaches who are out here who are talking about like, ah, you got to get the NIL, but we're not allowed to coordinate with them. And that's the point where I'm like, just get I, I, I agree with you. Just get rid of the NCAA. It's already the Wild West. Just go ahead and like let it be the Wild West. Let it be the highest bidder. Let it be open free agency. Yeah, because like we said, I don't think in anything in uh, last week, no, two weeks ago, there was a story put out by Ethan Strauss, you know, used to write for The Athletic and be a part of ESPN when he was covering the Warriors. And it was, does NIL have a hot girl problem? And a lot of people were upset about the article because it's, Hey, he's demeaning these women because they are – and this was uh, the Cavender twins that played at the University of Miami. And it's like, oh, he's demeaning these women, basically boiling down their skill to make it to a Power 5 Division One school to just, hey, they're only here because they're hot. And one of the Cavender twins was putting up about 12 points per game, You know, had some very clutch free throws in the NCAA tournament to ice one of the games where they silenced the crowd. So these girls, they could play basketball. But the problem with name, image, and likeness that I think a lot of people have when it comes to, hey, why are these people getting all this money? Or maybe the right people aren't getting all this money. It's still marketing at the end, at the end of the day. It's not a merit-based It's not a merit-based program where you would look and just say, all right, in whichever sport, who had the best stats? That's obviously who deserves the most money. No, it's still at the end of the day. You're still kind of an influencer. That's why you have a guy, hey, my name is Dakotist. I've got a refrigerator NIL deal. or Air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, an air conditioning deal. Your name's Couch. Hey, the furniture store in town wants to be an NIL sponsor for me. It's still at the end of the day, how can we market these players? And I think that's one of the things that people, where it's like, hey, I don't like that some players are getting all this money. For some people, it's not that much merit-based. Where you can look at Kyle McCord, he hasn't started a game for Ohio State. That was C.J. Stroud doing all the work. I'm sure there's someone else on Ohio State that said, hey, I produced more for this team. Where's Mark Wahlberg at giving me my Mercedes from his Chevrolet dealership? And those are the things that just right now with NIL and the way it's set up, I don't have answers for it because I do think at the end of the day it should be a little bit more merit-based as we see the top earners. Some of it, it's just nepotism. You've got Bronny up there. You've got Archie Manning up there. And it's they haven't stepped foot on the field yet, but they are some of the highest earners on the men's side. And to kind of – I mean I'm not trying to come across as misogynistic, but the gymnastics team members being huge earners in the NIL 
marketplace is something that's kind of confusing, especially whenever you look at like a place like LSU where, okay, the LSU quarterback is making less than a member of the gymnastics team and it's, okay, the, the football team is generating way more for the school as a whole. Like the football team, if the med- if the medical school needs a new MRI machine, the football team is definitely going to be the one who pays for it quicker than the gymnastics team. Well, I think all the people who pay the NIL for LSU just spent it all on jello shots in the last 10 days. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, that is true. No, but it goes back to, like I said, being marketable, making yourself a brand. Obviously, you're talking about Livy Dunn, who got rizzed up by Baby Grunk and may have to break up with the Drip King. So the part of Livy Dunn and what, her being so what, marketable. <laughs> Danny, was there subtitles available for what he just said? Dude, it's a different language. <laughs> I, I know none of what he said. Oh, that story's, uh, that story's not going away, guys. I know about the Baby Gronk, yeah. but the other words, no idea what you said. She got rizzed up by Baby Gronk. What does rizzed up mean? <laughs> oh, Danny, Legitimately, like, describe this to me because I have no idea. If I've got to explain it to you, it's too late. All right, you know, then it's too late. It's I'll past my bedtime. I need to go get my if, early bird special. If it's what I think it is, which is purely based off TikTok, mm-hmm. it's charisma it used to flirt. So it means you're using your charisma to flirt. But that still doesn't explain how it just came to be like three letters with a, like an apostrophe and a D on it. I still don't understand like the etymology of the word. Etymology. Look at this guy. We're putting that degree to use. UNLV, baby. But Danny, I'm saying you're you're a you know you're a tied down man. You're spoken for. Yeah. You obviously had to use some riz to get your woman. There you go. Yeah. Do you want to know how we started talking? <laughs> sure. <laughs> she asked me about grits. Go on. Yeah. No, she just okay. never had grits, so she just asked me about grits. The first time she ever talked to me, she cussed at me asking who the F watches golf at 6 a.m. Because I was watching the the Open, the British or the – yeah, it's called the Open, but it's played Where was England. this? This was at a job we used to work at together. It was at oh. a video game company. Okay, that makes a hell of a lot more sense than just – okay, I'm sorry. There was a very sad Danny in my brain <laughs> of oh, no. you going to a bar <laughs> – at 6 a.m. Can I get the grits and put on the British Open? Yeah, can I get an order of grits? <laughs> Could you put on the British Open? It's either this or – like either either this guy wins or I don't go to school next semester. <laughs> All right. Back to NIL <laughs> where the point I was making where Jared because he um, mentioned Libby Dunn who I had to say was rizzed up by Baby Gronk. But no, Libby Dunn, how she, the amount of money that she makes on NIL – is she even the best gymnast on her team? No, she's been injured a lot this season, but it's the marketability that she has. It's not so much about, hey, is she performing well? She's got millions of followers on TikTok and Instagram where that's what the NIL companies are looking for because at the end of the day, it's advertising sponsorship where Jake Paul, hey, Jake Paul, sell something for our company. Is he the best boxer in the world? No, there are plenty of boxers better than Jake Paul. But when teams say, hey, if you hold a can of our product and you sell it, or you advertise it to your millions of Instagram followers, that's also what they're looking for. And like I said, the problem that I have with NIL right now, get the NCAA out of it completely because they say, hey, you, they still have to you know, be NCAA compliant in states where they have certain laws. Also states, get, get, out, get out of the NIL business. Why, why are states trying to govern how much money these, these, these kids can make? I will say that there is an argument to be made that 
the reason the states have to be involved is a lot of times the highest paid state employee is the football coach or of the state school's team and then the second highest paid employee is like the athletic director mm-hmm. of the state school's team. So there is an element of, OK, well, you guys kind of work for us and we're paying you a lot. What's going on underneath you? There's like let, let, we should be involved at the very least. In what? In controlling where the money goes or just knowing how much money? Just knowing what's going on with the money. Like just being like vaguely aware of like what is going on with the money for one of our state employees. I see what you're saying there a little bit. But yeah, when it comes to the employee parts of the coaches and athletic directors. But only thing – and then with the – it's like a big can of worms because then you got to think about the transfer portal. And hey, it's – you know how much of a factor does that play? Of hey man, Ooh, we should create a bidding system where the coaches bid money on the available players in the transfer portal, and we could call it some sort of like free agency. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot. That makes that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. JP Acosta is going to be joining us at four thirty, but we're going to take a quick break here. Don't go anywhere. This is unnecessary roughness on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I mean, this is the last day that we're going to be filling in for the illustrious Q Myers. So we're just going all out. A couple of topics that we make sure we want to get to because we do have J.P. Acosta from SB Nation coming up, joining us at 430. There are some things that we didn't talk about enough that the guys on the show still want to hit on a little bit the college world series i mean you know lsu i mean was there ever a doubt maybe there was after yeah, they, when they was, lost yeah, yeah, when they yeah, lost yeah, by like 20 was, runs uh, over the weekend but the jello shot competition that's what we've been about on this show for about a week and at five dollars a pop i'm surprised that anybody was buying this many jello shots but jared felt like we didn't talk about enough well, first, I, I need to I need to pose the question to both of you. What is your Jello shot like? When was the last time you did Jello shots? Were they green Jello shots? Because typically, that's when the last time I the only time I ever do Jello shots is on St. Patrick's Day for the weekend Irish. And on top of that, how many do you think if we were to have like somebody bring in a container, how many could you do and still remain functional? All of them. Okay, let's take it easy. <laughs> okay, when was the last time you did Jello shots? I don't know the exact time, but I've done one probably in the last three to six months. I don't think I've done one in like since pre-COVID. If if I haven't done one since the holidays, the last time I did one was during the holidays, for sure. Devon, when was the last time you did a Jello shot? I cannot recall. Because I, because you were doing Jello shots. No, I'm just I'm just not uh, in the Jello shot world. But uh, I want to read this tweet from the uh, College World Series Jello shot board Twitter account. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. This year will be talked about for ages, thanks to LSU baseball faithful and all the fans that made it fun. I mean, Jesus, these guys, sixty eight thousand eight hundred and eighty eight. Jello shots sold, and each one is five dollars. So you're looking at four hundred thousand dollars in Jello shots. So 
Sounds like we need to hit up Lotus and be like, hey, can we cover the College World Series next year? I don't know, but here's the thing going to, going towards next year's College World Series where I don't know if this, this superstition is now going to be formed. LSU, national champions. So teams need to be telling their fan base once they book their ticket to the College World Series, all right, guys, I know we have to do our part on the field, but we need you to do yours off it and buy as many jello shots as you can. Get wrecked! <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be the message. I mean, I'm I like we've talked about. I'm going out of town this weekend for the fourth. I might have to do a whole thing of Jello shots. Get it, get the family and get the family a little lit. It's, am I the only one that just when I think I think of Jello shots, I think of what happens when you have too many and then you're out on a hot day and when they come when when they return is the only part that is in my head. What do you mean when they return? When you put them back into their <laughs> When, into their spot. Yes, when when after they go down the, the, oh. the esophagus, if it's if you've had too many, okay. they tend to represent themselves. See, but the thing is with jello shots, you don't get drunk off of jello shots. You do them as you go throughout the day. You don't just sit there with a purpose of getting drunk off of jello shots cuz it would take you 30 of them. Yeah, and that's why I normally pair them with warm Guinness and Jameson. Yeah, see, well, I, I get what you're saying, but you got to yeah, – it, No, it's probably the warm Guinness probably. is the thing that's making the problem. But the problem is having a stomach full of Jello shots makes that a horrifying experience. Hold on, but, guys. I want to break down these numbers some more because I the more I keep looking at absolutely. the uh, – They're ridiculous, aren't they? Yes. We're yesterday, 337, 626 our time, the uh, CWS Jello shot board Twitter account tweeted out, LSU, 64,808 shots. Yep. They finished one day's time, 68,000. That's 4,000. That's, and that's not even one day's time. That's Oh, yeah, because the game's over. That's after, by the end of the tournament, which would be last night's game at, I believe, it was 7.30 our time. So in four hours from that first text yesterday, they finished 4,000 jello shots. Man, LSU, LSU sounds like a fun school. A fun school knows how to party. I mean, I saw a tweet. Shout out to their athletic director. I mean, when you got when you got the bag like that, women's basketball. I mean, men's baseball. They were the they won the SEC West in football. Brian Kelly. I mean, I mean him and his family are <laughs> loving it down there in Louisiana. I mean, they're building a juggernaut. I was actually talking to Tyler Bischoff about this the Jello shots thing. And we were talking about last year because he went to Ole Miss and Ole Miss won the College World Series last year. He said they only had like 35,000 shots last year. So LSU beat them by over 30,000 jello shots. Ole Miss got to step it up, guys. That's why they didn't win it this year. Don't even think they made the trip. Mm. No, they did not. Mm-hmm. And that's why. Because they, they can't it. do jello shots. They didn't They're like Jared enough. on a hot afternoon. <laughs> When we come back, we're going to be talking to J.P. Acosta. Maybe he's done a couple of jello shots. Don't go anywhere. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Pleased to introduce our next guest, nothing but illustrious guest. We can talk about anything with him. J.P. Acosta from SB Nation. How you doing today, man? Thanks for making some time for us. I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. All right. One of the first things that I want to talk to you about, you trained 
in a little bit of pro wrestling. I, I did a couple of years. I dabbled in the pro wrestling world. Some of the most fun times I've ever had. What was it like learning to hit those ropes? It was so much fun getting it. I think the craziest thing about it was getting into the ring and you're initially like, Hey, this, this ring has a little bit of give. It's not like how I thought it would be, but then you start doing some roll rolls, start rolling around. And when you hit that, you hit that ring. It's like, Oh, this, this feels a little bit rough. Like I woke up uh, the next day and I felt a little sore in the back, you know, but it was awesome. I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I had so much fun and it was just the best time. Yeah, I remember my first day in wrestling school and D'Lo Brown just had me taking bump after bump after bump. And I was thinking, hey, this ain't as fun as I, as I, as I thought it was going to be first day in. Did you learn the art of taking a bump? So I did not take any bumps. That was one of the things um, the two trainers that were at the uh, wrestling school, they were like, yeah, we're not going to have you take bumps on the first day because even as I was just watching everybody start taking bumps, I was like, hey, this this looks a whole lot different than I see on TV. <laughs> like you actually got to, like you have to learn how to fall and like fall correctly. That's still something that I had no idea that you had to do. So I didn't take any bumps on the first day, but I watched and I, I learned. Again, we're talking to JP Acosta from SB Nation here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio. All right, now let's jump into a little NFL. I saw you were tweeting out some clips from Max Crosby, and I know that you like to rank things. You like lists. Where does Max Crosby rank when it comes to pass rushers and defensive ends in the NFL? So, actually, uh, I was actually on the podcast talking about this today. Max Crosby, for me, he is the fourth best pass rusher, fourth best edge defender in the league right now. He is unbelievable. And one of the things that makes him so unbelievable, we, we throw the word like high motor, we throw relentless out there a lot, but no, Max Crosby is truly relentless. You cannot do, you cannot run to him. He's a great run defender on the outside. You cannot run away from him. He is arguably the best backside run defender in the league. And he has gotten so much better in the pass rush department where he's able to use his speed. He's able to use his burst. His two spin moves to the inside or outside are some of the best in the league, and he just consistently goes all the time. He had the most snaps on the field um, as a run defender among all edges in the NFL. He also had the most snaps as a pass rusher in the league amongst the entire NFL. He never leaves the field. He never gets tired. That is, that's, that's a quality that you have to have if you're one of the elite. You have to be able to go for a long time. And Max Crosby, his his off, he does not have an off switch. He is always on go. And it's one of the things I really do appreciate about, about him and about his style of play. Yeah, that was one of the things that I admire about him as well. Earlier in the show, we played the clip from Lane Johnson as he was on Richard Sherman's podcast, and he had him in his top three. But one of the things that sets Max apart from me is the fact that he plays those downs. And I said, hey, I'm not saying that he's got that dog in him and these others don't, but it is that motor. When it comes to playing every down in and every down out, What do you? how does that separate him from some of those other guys that's still in that same tier? But that's just different to see a guy that plays a high snap count at that position. Different because he's not only playing like a high snap count, he is involved in every single play. He, I believe it was a game against the Broncos. He's chasing down the backside of a run play to only go, for only to go two yards. He makes a tackle for a two-yard gain. Instead of it ending up being a four- or six-yard gain, turn it into a negative play for the offense. 
Then the then on third down, he's getting the pressure, helping them get off the field. It's those type of drives where it's not like, oh, it's not only getting a sack. It's stopping the run on the back side of the play early, getting the pressure on second down to make it third and manageable for the defense. And then you go and get the sack on third down. It's those kinds of drives, those things that sets Max Crosby apart because he does it every single down. There's, there's not a time where he is not going 100%. And that's something like that's something that everybody can appreciate. Again, you said you had him at number four, so I've got to ask, who are those three ahead of him? So the three ahead of him, it's really it's super close. It is super close between all these guys, but – my three ahead of them are Miles Garrett is first for me, Micah Parsons is second, and then Nick Bosa is third. I, it's really you're really splitting hairs when you get between when you get with those four. I, if you have my, if you have Max Crosby ahead of either of those guys, I completely understand because he is one of the players that when you watch him, you just go, oh my god, how did how is he able to make those plays? It's he has those elite traits. Those. Those top four guys are defensive player of the year potential. So those are guys who are always going to be involved in the DPOY race. And Max Crosby is, has firmly put himself in that conversation. So when you're saying that he's involved in every, almost every single play, is that almost an indictment on the rest of the defense around him that he is like, he has to be a one man wrecking crew and go, you know, like a madman, that's his nickname, on every single play? I don't think it's as much of an indictment on the entire defense as much as it. It should be kind of a motivator, you know. Matt Crosby is making plays over on your side of the field and doing things where you missed up on your responsibility. I can tell you to get in the hot, kicking in the high gear, you know. That's, he, he is a leader. He is the one who sets the tone for the defense. So I don't think it's as much of, you know, he's, you should feel bad for, because Matt Crosby is making a play on your side of the field. It's more oh, Max is doing this, Max is doing as hard as possible, I better step it up so we can make this defense work together as a unit. I think that's kind of what the Raiders missed last year. Even though Max Crosby played fantastic, there were a lot of times where they just did it. They just lacked cohesiveness on the front and back side of the defense. Hey, JP, we talked about um, where Crosby is in terms of top three or top five, and your list, you mentioned Miles Garrett, Michael Parsons, and Nick Bosa ahead of him. I also mentioned that uh, T.J. Watt would be there. Where would you have T.J. in the in terms of edge rushers? So I have T.J. just below Max Crosby. I think the scheme of the Pittsburgh Steelers does help him out a lot when it comes to T.J. T.J. kind of freelances a little bit. Mm-hmm. He'll uh, because he's such a smart player, such a smart player. He'll He'll go away from his responsibility if he knows where the ball is going to be. Like that's something like oh, that's something that TJ Watt does a lot. I just think Max Crosby, his ability to be disruptive on every single play, his motor is going a hundred percent on every single play. Not only does that separate him from TJ Watt, I also think his ability to consistently win to the inside and to the outside with uh, with his pass rush, where he's doing an outside spin, he's doing inside spins. He has a he has a sweet two hand cross chop, one of the best in the league at that. And he pairs them so well together. He has a great plan as a pass rusher as well. So PJ is fifth. He is he'd probably be a little bit higher if we were talking about just all around 
edge defender. He is a modern edge defender, but I think when it comes to a pass-rushing talent, Max Crosby's got the edge on him. Again, we're talking to J.P. Acosta here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920, and you can check out his work on SB Nation. Something else I want to ask you about, because one of our texters earlier in the show, he mentioned that maybe Max could get some of those DPOY type of numbers if the Raiders' defensive line could step up and help him a little bit and give him more one-on-one looks. What did you think about the Raiders' draft pick of Tyree Wilson, and what were your thoughts on him coming out of Texas Tech? Oh, I, re- I really like the pick of Tyree Wilson because one thing that Tyree Wilson doesn't have right now, he doesn't really have a pass rush plan, but he is such a freak athlete at 6'6", 270 pounds. I, I know you guys have all seen the photos of him just standing next to normal-sized human beings, and his arms are just the longest arms I've ever seen. Yes. And one of the things that stands out about Tyree is – how explosive he is. It's not explosive going around the corner. It's explosive going through a defender. So I think his compliment to Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones is, while he's still while he's getting older, he is a very unorthodox pass rusher where he is more, he's a big dude. He's long, big. He's more of a flexibility win around the corner guy. You can have Tyree Wilson in there. You can match him up on the inside on pass rushing downs. Well, you can play it, you can have a little more versatility up front, and you can truly cause matchup problems for offensive linemen. That way you can get Max Crosby those one-on-ones where he can consistently win. JP, I wanted to switch gears with you and talk about uh, Anthony Richardson, the new rookie quarterback for the Colts. Um, back in April, you had written an article about him and how much of a high upside he has. Can you just go ahead and speak on uh, your thoughts about him as a player and how he will fit with the Colts coming up in his rookie year? So I think the misconception with Anthony Richardson was that he is a raw prospect when it comes to managing the pocket or as a pocket passer. I think there were some footwork inconsistencies, yes, but when it comes to pocket management, he is one of the better pocket managers in the, in the uh, coming out of the draft last year, you know, when you look at his uh, sack rate when he's pressured, it was among the lowest of the top quarterbacks in draft. I believe it was the lowest. So the ability to escape pressure, the ability to know what to do, he is he knows how to get from one to two to three. It's not like he is a one read and go quarterback. He just he go, he knows how to play quarterback. It's also just I, he can run a four four forty at two hundred and forty five pounds like. If you have that in your back pocket, you might as well use it. So I I love the fit for him in Indianapolis with Shane Steichen because you saw what they did with Jalen Hurts. And one of the things that makes me think Anthony Richardson, Richardson excuse me, could start right away is because of his ability to elevate the floor of an offense as a runner. With his dynamic run threat, you have to account for him in the run game. That'll make the defense change their numbers. In the, in the offense to the advantage are they, they have to change their numbers on the defense. That'll help the offense a lot more. So you allow him to come in, be great at what he is already while developing into a great pocket passer and fixing those inconsistencies in footwork and touch. And it's really, it's really the perfect landing spot for him in Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor in that backfield with Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman, who are two very capable receivers I think Alec Pierce is going to have a great second year catching pass from Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson at Florida, they were in a very 
downfield pro-style scheme, but none of the receivers can make contested catches or get open, Alec Pierce is a really good contested catch receiver, and that'll really help him out a lot. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what the Colts look like with Anthony Richardson under center. Again, we're talking to J.P. Acosta here on Unnecessary Roughness, and you can follow him at Acosta32 underscore J.P. Only got a few more questions for you. I've got to ask, Kevin Durant hopped in a spaces. You know, Kevin Durant is not top five, and the man himself showed up. Do you like that Kevin Durant has time for everybody on Twitter? I love it. I love it because it's just it's so different from what we normally assume athletes should be. And, you know, with social media being such so prevalent in today's sports era, Kevin Durant hopping on a Twitter space defending himself is great. It allows you to interact with the fans, you know? Like, that's what that's what people want. People want to hear from the players, you know? And Kevin Durant hopping on a Twitter space, it's hilarious, but it's also great for what people want. People want to hear from Kevin Durant. People want to hear, like, hey, we if we don't think you're that great, why do you think <laughs> it's funny, but why do you think you're the best in the world? Like, and hearing Kevin Durant, hearing Kevin Durant talk about basketball is genuinely one of the cooler things that can happen for a basketball fan. He is one of the smarter basketball minds to play the game. So that's something just him hopping on the Twitter. Just it would, it's so funny. It's so funny, but it also could be a benefit to fans who want to learn more about the game. All right, last one I got for you. We'll get you out of here on this. AEW Forbidden Door. Was it the best AEW pay-per-view that they put on? Oh, man. Best pay-per-view they put on? I think so. I think so. Just from top to bottom, uh, the big three matches all delivered. The 10-man tag was amazing. I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada was an amazing showing of technical mastery. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega, too, was an absolutely insane match. Just the storytelling involved, the brutality of the match, where both guys ended up bleeding. It was just an, it was an awesome match. I definitely think, if not Forbidden Door 2, I, I believe it was Revolution, where um, – it was Kenny and Hangman Page against the Young Bucks. That mm-hmm. that pay per view was also very good, but Forbidden Door Two definitely has my vote. All right, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we let you go, let everybody else know what you got going on. Yep, uh, you can follow me, like I said, at Acosta Thirty Two underscore JP. I write at SB Nation about college football, NFL, anything where football is involved. I will probably be there tweeting about it getting ready for the NFL season, getting ready for the college football season. So I'm going to be tweeting a lot of clips. Got some pretty fun stories headed down the way. So just follow along and see what I'm doing. All right. We definitely will be. And that was J.P. Acosta from SB Nation. That was fun. I like that. We've got to have him on more often. You know, that that was a good interview. Love chatting with him. I mean, how technical, how technical he got down with Max Crosby's pass rush. That's why you have a guy like him on. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Only got a couple of minutes left on today's show. As we wrap it up, what's been a fun show today? I've had a great time. Jared, I do want to play one clip before we get out. I mentioned it to JP 
And hey, we are so still, we still got, we got something to give away. Save the best for last. If you've hung on till the end of the show, and if you're a Nevada resident, you can be caller number nine. Not yet. As we wrap up the show, you have a chance to be caller number nine and enter to win four tickets to see the LV Aviators. And if you win that, you'll be entered in our Summer of Fun contest. So just hang on for a couple of extra minutes here, and you can be caller number nine as we close out the show. But, Jared, do you have that clip of Kevin Durant where Jason McIntyre, he's the guy in the chair that Colin Cowherd talks to off on the side of his show. And I've never seen anyone publicly just rant about a self-own from Kevin Durant as much as this guy did. Once you say something nice about someone, they reply, okay, I see you. Then when you say something not so nice, you get this. You're such a clown. You don't even like sports. You look like a drama major. I don't, I don't know what that means. I've never taken an acting class in my life. I said to KD, one of the 15 best players in the history of the NBA squabbling with anonymous fools in a comment section, it was never your brand when you won the MVP and two titles and finals MVPs. Why pivot that way now? He just got personal. You're a fool, blah, blah, blah. He used the P word to describe me. He calls me broke boy. Doesn't address any of it. Doesn't address why he would argue about being top five. And again, I'm a Kevin Durant guy. Well, Jay, how are you a Kevin Durant guy if you're saying he's an idiot for battling guys in the comment section of, of a Twitter spaces? Oh, my God. What a dork. <laughs> oh, my God. We're, like, after Kevin Durant, after he called me a drama major, I've never taken an acting class in my life. No, I'm, st- I'm not replying anymore, bro. He's frying you up. Especially after he calls me broke boy. Yes, am I broke compared to Kevin Durant? Absolutely. But I'm not going to sit here still in his Instagram DMs and let him call me broke boy. I'm done after that. And then to, eh, see, he just, he just went personal. He never addressed anything <laughs> I said is the most like, are you sure you're not Skip Bayless? He called you a fool. That's him addressing it right there. And we, I, that's why I mentioned it to JP because I was setting it up for here. I love Kevin Durant being in, in Twitter spaces. Hey, Kevin Durant's not top five. Uh, uh, we have a new speaker joining us. It's a... Uh, Kevin Durant. I love that 1,000%. I wish more players were just, I've got nothing to do on a weekend. What, what you say, you, oh, you, you saying, what about me? Oh, let me hop in there. I got something to say. I mean, I love it for anyone who's not on my team. Like, that's the thing. It's like, if it's on, if it's on my team, no, please, please do not do that. For everybody that doesn't know, Jared is from Kansas City, a big Chiefs fan. If there was a, real quick, you can just yes or no. His name is Jackson, and we don't want to talk about it. No, but there was, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes isn't top five spaces. You wouldn't mind if Patrick Mahomes went in there, put out the resume. Hey, man, who been doing it like this? Like, as hot as me this quick? I would love it. I mean. I want players to talk no, their stuff. I, I kind of want him to be like, who? Oh, my resume. Who? Who is that? I, I kind of want him to pull an Andy Reid talking about Jordan Love. Like, just not well, know. That's what, no fun. Well, why would he even hop in the Twitter space to do that then? No, I, I want, if someone's asked him about it, I want him to not even be aware. The like, people are talking about him in Twitter spaces. Like, the people who search their own name. I told you I once got blocked by Ben Roethlisberger. Didn't even add him. I didn't add him. He searched for his own name on Twitter and blocked me. All right, real quick as we close out the show. Big Dub Raider, yeah, guys, I'm all for what KD does. Better than a guy like who just posts subliminal messages. <laughs> Go Raiders. All right, guys, now that we're wrapping up the show, 
This is your chance. You can be caller number nine to enter the win to get those aviator tickets. Jerry, you're looking at me like, like I'm doing something wrong here. I thought we had a minute left. Maybe we don't. All right. Yeah, play the music. Okay. Call right now. Be caller number nine. Enter to win to win four tickets to go see the Las Vegas Aviators. And if you win that, you're going to be in our summer of fun because they're giving away prizes every week. They're giving away trips to Maui. And if you win those tickets, you get a chance to win that and some cold cash. Who doesn't love cash? It's been fun, guys. It's been fun. Jared Danny alongside me. JVT was in here. I mean, I hope he enjoyed his vacation as he had a good time as well. Q's going to be back tomorrow. I know you all cannot wait for that. Thanks for everybody who called in, who texted in. It's been a blast. Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Same time, same place.